Welcome to episode 14 of Sullivan Street. I am Eric Vogelsang, and I'm here with uh, my co-host, Chris Miggs. Chris, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Actually, since the last time we recorded, we got a Christmas gift from Adam Duritz. Not not like us two personally, like all Counting Crows fans, because he That's released true. that <laughs> version of uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is wonderful. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. And really, like several artists I love covered that this year and i thought his version was easily the best and uh one that really uh got me in the feels i i I agree and and it's probably not surprising that that was always maybe my favorite (laughs) christmas song as well probably because it is melancholy which why i like the crows etc it's probably my uh, third number two is Fairy Tale of New York, which is one of the best Christmas songs ever and was also memorably performed this Christmas season. And number one, and there's no argument, is Last Christmas by George Michael. That is the okay. correct answer always for best Christmas song. That's a great one. It is in my top three. And okay. we have some other we have some guests here today who might also <laughs> have their uh their uh, opinions about Christmas songs. And so this is kind of a, a neat episode. Obviously for the for I I don't think we've had any non-Counting Crows fans on the podcast, Chris, but uh, we, we, except for maybe Matt Malley, who was not a fan, he was a band member. But he but, but he made it clear he was a fan of the work that he was doing yes. for most Absolutely. of the time. Yes. But this is like the first podcast that I'm calling it a fan spotlight. So the main purpose of the uh, episode is actually to focus on a fan, in this case, three fans because they are from the same family. And it's also an interesting uh, that we're getting uh, the women's perspective this time, which we haven't had yet, which we will have more of in the, in the, in, in the upcoming months. Uh, but at first, I will say hello to uh, Zubia. Zubia, good evening. Hi there. Hi, Eric and Chris. Thank you for having us on. And so I will, and then we'll announce who else we have here as well. So Zuby, I met at the Los Angeles show in the, at the, I guess, famous in LA area, YouTube theater. And I kind of went around stalking people. No, I did go around and, and say hi to a number. And it's, I guess I said hi to like six, seven people appeared in name. And in fact, if you listen to the recovering the satellites episode that I, I, I um, there was a fan there that, uh, that I met. And for him, I think it was similar how I met you as Zephyr, which was that if I remember correctly, that you, all three of you had like, wasn't just counting crow's shirt, but one that showed me, you might've been kind of a fan. And I I think I was walking by the special area where they were serving food. So um, you can tell me the story, but, but the reason we have Zuby on besides just that she is a, a, a major fan is that, her daughters are also fans, and I met the three of them together, and I just thought it was a neat family story. So do and so we have a Sidra. I'll say a quick hello, Sidra. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I've never done a podcast before, so I'm That's very cool. excited. <laughs> yeah, so am I. And and Sabrina. Hi, Eric and Chris. Thank you for having us. And can one of you, I'll just start with Sabrina, because we do you remember what shirts the three of you were wearing that particular night? what I was wearing. I was wearing a shirt from, gosh, maybe at least five years ago that we had kind of, you know, cut up and made cute. And it's it was definitely not a new <laughs> shirt by any means. And it was their um, Berkeley logo shirt. 
Oh, right, which is one of my favorite. And I think that's actually what I bought that day. I've been looking, I've been wanting a, a Berkeley one. Uh, yeah, and it's Sidra, one of my favorites too. Sidra, do you remember what you were wearing? Yeah, I was wearing the one with the man holding the umbrella, the gray shirt, and it says Counting Crows. Okay. Um, I got it in Orange County at the, what was the name of the theater? The Amphitheater Mom. Do you remember? Pacific Amphitheater. Yes. Okay. (laughs) The the, the Rain King logo and uh, Zubia. Yes. And you also had a crow shirt on too? It was the black one with the the Counting Crows um, logo in red and then the star. Oh. Right. I like that. So I saw the three. I said a quick hello. And I think I was at first it was just like, oh, I just wanted to say hi. And I like your shirts and on your way. And then somehow it came up and then I mentioned a podcast and then they realized, oh, this guy might have a story, too. And then we just started talking. So, Zubia, I will start with you. Uh, um, so tell us your maybe personal Cannon Crow story. How did you originally become a fan and forget about your daughters for a second. You know, okay. let's say they didn't care. What has kept you into them or kept coming back all these decades? Yeah. I mean, so for me, lyrics have always been like the, obviously for me, the best thing about a song. And so with the Counting Crows, everything for me comes back to the lyrics. Throughout my life, I there's a song at every moment that means something for me. When I first met my husband now, um, and we were dating, you know, like Anna Begins was huge, and it was it meant something to me. I thought I was Anna. I thought I was Maria. That was who I was. And, um, you know, moving on in life, there was a time when I, you know, had a very hard time in my life. I was going through some, I was going through chemo and the August and everything after was one of two records that I played on loop every time that kept me going. Um, the other, if I can say, was Tiger Lily by Natalie Merchant. And um, then this one, August and Everything After, and it just kept me going. There's songs that mean so much, like A Long December reminds me a lot of a couple of cousins that I have lost very young. Um, so there's, it, it just keeps me coming back. There's just so much meaning there for me. Um, so that's kind of like my ties. I mean, every time I hear it, I hear something new, like it means something. It's just so, it's such a deep meaning for me. That's interesting. You said about Tiger Lily, cause that is, uh, that is an album that we haven't mentioned yet. Cause sometimes Chris, we mentioned albums that came out around the same time that, that I don't know, somehow like the fans over, over, overlap or or i don't know that that, that but that's that was also one of my favorite albums in the 90s as well zuvia's tiger lily that is that is a special a, spe- a special album so I, and i'm you know i'm you know sorry to he- hear about what you went through um i'm glad the crows could be a part of that and, and in a weird like almost morbid way that when you hear things like oh if you were in an island and you could only bring one album with you or two but people usually don't have to make those choices but in, in this case you actually you know made similar choices. Yes. And, and, and 
And it's funny because I still have a very old car that I drive that I don't want to give up. It's like from 2009 and it has a, a, a CD player. I've got my, my six CDs and everything in there, maybe other than like one, um, one section is all like three of them are for accounting crows. Like nobody moves those. That's what they are. <laughs> Leave them in there. And so I'm really hesitating buying a new car because I don't want to lose that feature. <laughs> Listen, I no, I I updated my car stereo to get a CD, have a CD player just so I can play some of my favorite. And I know I could download them or whatever, but I want those physical media for some of those, some of my favorite CDs. Absolutely. That's just the way it is. And my kids actually kind of like CDs because of it too, even though they're used to streaming. Well, that's funny. They're going to rediscover CDs like we rediscovered vinyl, Eric. That's that's true. Because our kids are young enough that like five, 10 years from now, they're going to be like, dad, I found these really cool things. They're these discs and they're, they're smaller than those things you have up there. And that's where we're, we're all headed to because those are going to be like a dollar a piece and that's how they're going to collect things. I'm glad you said that about it because Chris and I, of course, on the podcast, even off the podcast, we've talked about that. That's kind of one of the reasons I, I wanted, you know, some of, some, some of the women, uh, some female Cannon Crows fans is, is that like, like, even Anna Begins is a great example because I even told Chris that Anna Begins when you're whatever, 22 year old, you're thinking, and I, I even backpacked when I was 25. And I guess that's partly about the backpacker love that he lost and and you're putting yourself from, from Adam's perspective. And then I even said to Chris that some of the lyrics as a father now, you can talk about that love in a non-romantic way um, because just the... Either the I guess the kind of vagueness of some of the words can be, and I was always wondering. I was like, "Oh, you know, would women see themselves as as Anna or Maria?" And you answered, "Yes, that's yes, that's the truth there." Yes. Did, <laughs> did you, when you were younger? Oh, and sorry, did you get in? Were you started listening right? I mean, around when August came out, or did you discover them later? Around when it came out. Okay. Do you remember when your first concert was? For example, I've said on the podcast, my I didn't get to see it, even though I've liked them since the beginning. I didn't see a concert until the Desert Life tour. Um, you know, it's really hard for me to remember back. I want to say maybe Hard Candy. I can't remember. I yeah, I'd have to go back and think about like when my last con my first concert of theirs was. So maybe like 04 or 05, something, you know, or something, or yeah. something like that. Okay. Do you know how many you've been to now? I mean, or a rough estimate after all these years? I mean, not as many as I would like. Right. Um, maybe eight to 10. Yeah. Hey, that's still a lot. We've had some people on the podcast who are huge fans that have only seen them two or three times or something like that. Yeah. Cause that, that's what life, you know, not as much I as I would like, I would love to like, just take some time off work and follow them. <laughs> so, so now, and of course I'll get the perspective of uh, your daughter's perspective, but before we, you know, introduce them again, I want to hear like, when did you, and the first time, by the way, I've heard anything about parents getting, and of course, Adam's actually mentioned this a couple times. I think when I saw him in Bur in Manchester, he actually mentioned, I think, to the crowd or right after or something like that, that, oh, now we've seen people bring their children to the concert. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the children are big fans, 
Um, when I saw them once in Wisconsin um, around 2014, that's the first time I met somebody. I think I was in my late 30s or something, and I, there was somebody there who was 22, about your daughter's age, and um, she said, oh, my parents got – I love them because my parents wouldn't stop playing it in the car, and I just started to like them. So, Zubia, when do you think you introduced your – you know, your, 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 your daughters to the crows and was it deliberate or was it, and was it a love it first listen, or did it take like a decade of, uh, you know, of, of, of salesmanship to, to do that or. So I want to say maybe a little bit of both and it might be different with the two girls. So I, like I said, I just always have it playing in the car. Lyrics mean a lot to me. So like, if I mean, I'm always singing, I should probably, you know, like poorly, but I'm always singing in the car and I'm always pointing out, like, listen to this lyric. You, this is the best lyric you've ever heard. And so I'm trying to tell them like, you've got to listen to this. This is so good. This is what makes a song, a song, right? The meaning behind it. And so I think it was a lot of like repetition and playing the songs over and over but then bringing that to them too, like, hey, it's just, it's not just the music, it's what it means. So I think okay. like for each of them, it may be a little bit different what they tell you. Okay, great. We're about to go to that. And by the way, this case gets me thinking of stuff like, you know, religion or telling your daughters that math is important, right? So if you push it really hard, sometimes they will think it's important because you got to believe in this. Or sometimes it could have the complete opposite effect that your kids are like, I hate crows because you always played them. But no, luckily it worked out. So you are a uh, poster child for doing this the right way. So I'll start with Sidra. Sidra, Tell me your story of how you think you became a Crows fan and at what age and what kind of brainwashing your mother correctly did, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I can't really like identify a beginning. It's kind of just like, I feels like I've always just known the songs. Like I've always just known the lyrics and the melodies. Like I don't remember when I first heard it. I just remember hearing it all the time. So for me, like I associate Counting Crows with family road trips, you know, on the way to dinner, my grandma's house or going to Arizona, just having Counting Crows on repeat. And it's like pretty nostalgic for me to listen to. So I would say just like growing up, like my mom mentioned, it was always just on repeat. And I am a musician myself. I grew up singing, playing the piano and writing songs. And I know my mom would be like, try to, you know, listen to Counting Crows, listen to their lyrics, you know, see if you can take any inspiration away from that. So yeah, I mean, I love them. And I love that my family loves them. So yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. It makes you right. No, Chris, jump in. I was saying, what age do you remember? Do you sort of remember liking them? Was <laughs> it like five or six? Or was it younger? Or... Yeah, maybe like eight, around eight years old. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> and I'm Chris, 20 but, now. So, yeah. Chris, what I keep thinking about this is I finally found one bright spot to America, American uh, suburban uh, car culture is that you can force your children to listen. Because because it, it sounds like it was mostly in the car, right? Now, maybe sometimes at home, but yeah. Well, look at this, Chris. We're, we're helping society and right, gives, gives us a <laughs> chance that our, our trapped kids at, uh, to listen to the music that we like. Uh, Sabrina, let's go to you. Yeah, so 
I always describe Counting Crows as the soundtrack to my life because literally like all the time on our drives, whatever age I was, wherever we were going, that's what we were listening to. And it's like my sister said, I feel like I know the melody and the lyrics by heart and even the flow of the August and Everything After album, like what song comes after the next song. Like I just inherently know it just because it's that ingrained in our life. And it's so funny how something so, you know, you might feel like it's in the background, right? Like it's just playing on the CD, but it really becomes part of you. And I really feel like it's part of me at this point. And I'm 27. So it really just, Counting Crows is honestly like just home to me because I remember going to college and, you know, I wasn't, my mom wasn't driving me around anymore. Like I just, it was Mm -hmm. me and my downloaded playlists and I would download the songs and walk to class to them. If I, especially if I was feeling homesick or, you know, just wanted a little piece of familiarity. I love that. No, I, I'm really getting this. It's like like Thanksgiving away from home or something. Listen, exactly. Listen to that, that nostalgia feel. Chris, I'm realizing I'm really doing something wrong with my children is, is really what I'm already feeling uh, in this episode. Because they're they all know I like the crows. They kind of. But the point is, I've I've given them too much choice. I'm not playing it enough when I have them. <laughs> when I'm driving to Orange County. So yeah, I'm going to start doing Yeah. And my wife, by the way, is she, her big uh, thing band is fallout boy. And I think my kids like fallout boy better. So I really have to do something about that. I will say um, on the flip side, my daughter loves fallout boy. Okay. Uh, I think they, that is a band that is tailor made for children. Oh, if you're okay. five man or six, like that, those songs really, cause he actually does the lead singer of fallout boy is does the songs for the the, the not Disney, but yeah, it's Disney. Spidey and his amazing friends. It's a children's oh, Spider-Man. Yeah, I know. Right. And I my daughter really liked that. And my, my wife was like, well, can we at least just transition to the actual Fallout Boy songs? And she just she just transitioned straight into that. She's like, these songs are good too. Now I have a five-year-old who wanders around singing the song Centuries at the top of her lungs. <laughs> But I I enjoy follow up. I took I took her to see them last summer. But okay, I find, but I'm with you though. I, I'm with you. It's interesting, Eric, because I find that for whatever reason, I tend to listen to the crows walking around on headphones. I don't play it very much for her. Just out of it, it's about it's interesting, like the listening habits and how they kind of shift. I think what she probably hears me put on more is like the Grateful Dead in the morning because I'm like mm. waking up or something, you know. So it's interesting, kind of how that kind of in. And the and the aspect of car culture, right? The being in the car together. That's why I grew up listening to Light FM in New York, and I learned all yeah, about no, I think, the soft rock hits of the yeah. 80s. Yeah, that's for the people in the LA area. I think one hundred four point three about like is it my FM or something? That's what I kind of play for my kids in the car. So I'm I'm gonna throw in crows a little more. Uh, Sabrina, let's stay with you now. You told us an interesting fun fact right before we started the podcast is that you attended Berkeley, and it sounds I did. like. Go Bears. <laughs> Go for, and it sounded like they're. I mean, we know about the Adam connection, but do you want do you want to mention you know if that yeah, meant anything to you? So and you said, yeah, please. I remember getting into Berkeley, and you know, I, I grew up in Orange County. I'm a SoCal girl. I've never had been there before, and I remember just researching it and looking it up. And then I think my mom or my dad had said, "Well, you know, Adam Duritz went to Berkeley," and I remember that just felt really good to me. It felt like a safe fact and it made me feel like okay like this is this is a good sign it really felt like a sign to me 
yeah, it, and I also was an English major, and I know that he was as well. And for me personally, like I love reading, I love books, I love novels, and I can tell that he does because he, like as my mom had said, he writes so poetically, and it's it really feels like it's not just lyrics and it's not just something, it's not just a soundbite, right, for the radio. It's mm. it's a story and it's something that's, it has heart and soul. And I think that that is what's missing from a lot of music today. And, you know, in line with that, I remember when I was in high school, um, we were reading Great Gatsby. Mm. And I remember we were listening in the car one time to Mrs. Potter's Lullaby and I always loved that song because it was just so, I mean, the, every lyric in that song, I think, is so, so poignant and so great. But I made, I ended up writing a paper basically about how Mrs. Potter's lullaby is like the great Gatsby. And it be, it could be Adam describing Gatsby and his plight for love from Daisy. What, is that what was her name, I think? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and I think he says something like, you know, I, I dream I was always, I, I was always the host of these parties, but I never knew anyone there. And he's kind of lonesome and melancholy, but he's pining for something. And it just made me feel it would, I I made the connection with the book and it was, it was great. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's great. Chris, you might have something to add. I I definitely, and I'm not, I was not an English major, but I I do know that Adam, it wasn't just the major. He's, he's uh, very well read with poetry and, and music and books. Yeah. No, it's also a really interesting observation because because the time of his life that's that would line up with like he's still living in L.A. and probably throwing a lot of parties with people who because he's got the big house right the 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 right. Uh, the movie that came out with that was sort of roughly true. Why can I think of the name of it? That was based on that his friends wrote. It's gonna bother me, but but that's basically right that he's throwing all these parties and he's yeah maybe sort of feeling. Gatsby-esque and sort of pulling those sort of images to help like pull through that that feeling of what he's trying to just writing about a girl who's you know we know who she is but you know like that's it's kind of you know thinking about her as that sort of heroine for him right yeah Sidra, I, I know uh, you you attend uh, college now. It, it is not Berkeley, but you told me off uh, the or in the in the pre-interview that you are a music major or have music talent or something along those lines. Do you want to talk about that mm-hmm. a bit and and your tie to the crows in that way? Sure. Yeah. So I don't actually study music in college. I'm studying math and economics, so very like <laughs> opposite of that. But yeah, music is my passion. I grew up playing piano, guitar, singing, literally since I came out of the womb. Um, So yeah, for me, I've always appreciated like really good musicianship, you know, having that like musical ear, you know, being classically jazz trained, all of these different genres. And so Counting Crows, I think for me, like there's no other music that I've heard that's like it. Like, that's what I think makes it so special and so unique is that I literally can't point to another band or artist that does anything similar. And I think that that's amazing. And kind of like we mentioned, just the quality of the lyrics. I mean, personally, I love lyrics too, but for me, I love the melodies a lot and like Mm. the feeling that a song gives me. So I'll kind of, you know, 
talk about that side of Counting Crows. Obviously, their lyrics are amazing, but for me, I think it was like the melodies that I kind of, you know, remember. Yeah. That stick out to me more. So, yeah, I think just being a musician kind of gave me a greater like appreciation for the work that they produce. Yeah, don't discount the tide of math. I know that Charlie is is a bit of a mathematician and he plays the piano. And so it all, it does tie together. More, more <laughs> I had no idea. That's so cool. Chris, I'm I'm getting uh, I I should save this to the end, but I'm getting more optimistic about the about the younger generation as as we're as we're moving along with this. So, Zuvia, I I, I uh, Zuvia, by the way, I'm just getting more impressed by your parenting ability the more I talk to your daughters. Thank you. You know, I mean, they're doing great in school and stuff, but of course, I'm more impressed with the Count of Crows. You know, that 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 <laughs> than, than their excellent academic achievements. So. I have a couple of questions, but one of them is the elephant in the room or not in the room, which is that when I met the three of you following a little bit behind, not wearing a Cannon Crow shirt would be your husband. I yes. Think. So, <laughs> so can you talk about when he knew, did he know in the beginning? And I don't know how old you were when you started dating, you know, feel comfortable sharing whatever you like, but when he knew you were being a Crows fan, because sometimes that's funny, right? When you're dating, it's like, oh, I like them. Oh, that's kind of cute. Oh, that's one of their five favorite songs. And then you realize a couple of years later, I'm like, oh, they really like them. And then it's like an obsession. Then all of a sudden you're raising your kids on it. So uh, do you want to talk about how your husband fits into your personal Counting Crows story? Sure, sure. Okay, so my husband, Brian... So I, I've been, obviously I've been listening to the crows since I met him when we were first dating, you know, like I said, you know, I was Anna and Anna begins and I'm like, Oh, you just need to love me. Just believe me. This is going to happen. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I've done this before. I don't need all this. It's, it's all good. You know, just throughout our relationship, again, like with the girls, I've always listened to them. It's always been on. He would sing, I think, along without really understanding what he was singing. And then I don't remember when it was, but I do remember it was Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. And he really stopped and listened. And he was like, this is like, these are some of the best lyrics I've ever heard. Because I think with him, he was always listening to music, but just kind of you know, the music and the guitars in the back and the drums, but not really understanding. And he finally was like, one day, like, that's an amazing song. And I'm like, yes, this is what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> but he's been in the mix with me the entire way. <laughs> okay. I mean, some people like music, but they don't get like, I don't want to say obsessed, but they don't get into, into one band. They just like music. Um, so he, he, he might, he might be like that. One question I right. had is, well, did he, did he go with co to concerts with you when you went to some of the early ones or did you go with some of your girlfriends or did you go? No, he or? always went with me. Okay. So he's been he no, 100% because, you know, I mean, at the concerts, here's the beauty of it. It's poetry. It's you never get the same experience twice. It's always different. And I remember um, we went, the girl, w the four of us went to, I think two years ago, it was here in Orange County. We saw them. And I remember there was a group of people behind us and Adam was singing Mr. Jones. 
and not not the way it's recorded. Obviously, he mm. always sings it differently, right? And so these people behind us were so loud and so upset that it wasn't the way it is on oh, the radio. Yeah. And so we were all just kind of looking at each other like, no, we don't want it to be the way it is on the radio. We want to hear the poetry. And so I just, I just always, I remember that. And I always think it's interesting because I'm like, I'm not here. I don't want just a cookie cutter, like the same show you're, you're performing every time you're out. It's always different. You always get something new. You always leave with a new feeling. And that's what I love. Those I find are always the weirdest people to me. I'm like, I don't understand why you came to a concert. The record is right there. You know, I'll deal with a lot of, like, I'll disagree with people about a lot of things and be able to be friends. I don't know if I could be friends with someone who was like, it just it should sound exactly the same like the record. I'm like, no, what's the point? Why would you do that? Right. Especially, and again, and it's the complaint you hear all the time at Crow shows, like walking out. As I can remember a few times being like, they didn't even play Mr. Jones. And it's like, dude, like there's, you know, we've got the internet. You know that like you can look at set lists. <laughs> like, because I will do that. Like if I'm going to see a band that I don't normally see, I will take a look at the set list and go like, oh, I wonder what, do they play the songs that I know? Do they play a lot of them? Do they, I, I'm curious. And so it's always funny to me of people who are like just stunned who just walk in like, of course, they're no, they might not. I mean, they've played it basically every night for the last three years or so. But there were a lot of stretches where they would not play it every night. And I you would definitely hear people walking out going like, you know, why'd they do that? I'm like, well, they had other songs to play that night. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you're reminding me of my, I guess I want to say second girlfriend that in some ways she was trying to, she knew I liked the Crows a lot and she was trying to, I guess, re- not relate, but trying to, oh, I know you like them and trying to be nice about it, I guess. But she did make two negative Crows comments. One I'll talk about later had to do with Across the Wire. But the first one had to be that I saw that I like August as an album, but I saw them in concert. and They didn't play it the same way. So that was the one of the worst concerts I went to. And I knew then that that, that relationship was going to be quickly. And that wasn't going to work. Even, like, that was not. <laughs> she did. Yeah. Because it's, it's what you said. It's not just about the Crows. It's about that she just kind of wanted this cookie cutter thing and not the. Uh, I ended it yeah it, and that's so. always good right i mean there are nights you go you're listening like mm, that wasn't the best <laughs> don't really like what adam did with that one but that's you know that's oh, if that's the whole point right is that if, if you're not going to have the amazing special nights if you don't have the nights that are oh okay he was trying especially the show we were listening to i think it was the end of like hard candy and i was like listen like he didn't really hit that that's okay that didn't really work on to the next one <laughs> you know a lot of other versions of hard candy out there you know there's Right. It'll be okay. Exactly. Well, he also surprised us in this last concert in LA. He, I think he was playing Long December, and then he switched into a cover of Taylor Swift's The One. And my sister, I love that song. And so it was a weird <laughs> clash of worlds for me because he he usually surprises us with, you know, new new lyrics to Mr. Jones or Rain King or new melodies as we know and like we love and expect when we go to his concerts. But this cover was a totally new surprise and it was so awesome for me. And I love that they're doing that because I don't remember them doing these kinds of covers even like 10 years ago. And did you, and so you, this is great. So you did not know ahead of time that he was going to do that, right? I had no idea. I was shocked. Okay. I was like, I he, think I know this song. 
because there's people whose job it is to know this stuff, like Chris and I. He started that like about three nights before, and then yeah, kind of did it every night, yeah. just right before. But I we kind of knew at that stage. But I'm but I love that you didn't know, and that made it so much. And by the way, I think it's an incredible cover. I, I it, it it yeah, it kind of reminded me of the, the the Christmas song you just did too, right? Just him at the piano, and and he makes it more even more melancholy than this. And so, Sidra, you felt you like taylor swift and so that was like a, a mashup dream come true i guess oh yeah and like i don't know if adam you know did it intentionally for like the younger audience but it's almost like he's kind of bridging that gap and it's like oh like taylor swift you know it's something that is something that like more of my generation kind of listens to so i think that was cool that he brought that together yeah, I think he, we might have mentioned this on the podcast, but I think he kind of went on record. Part of it was that he saw, I guess he always respected her, but saw her in concert earlier this year or earlier last year and just thought it was one of the best concerts he's been to in a while and thought her talent was so good. And I think after that, Chris, you can correct me, is that maybe he was just thinking, which of these could I cover and that one fit? Yeah, well, and that, and that record, I mean, that may kind of makes sense for him to really kind of take that song. That's not, a, a, it wasn't as big a leap as some of the other ones. Be interesting to see Adam break down a few more Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> Zuvia, do you do you remember? Now you said your husband went to every show with you, but you obviously did not bring your daughters to every show because I'm guessing some of those shows they might not have existed yet or existed in a very. So, do you know when that started? When you started bringing either one of your daughters and how old they were, and what what did you decide? Yeah, yeah, you know, why you did it. And... I think it was um, the Concord show because for a little bit, we've always been in, in, or, um, in Orange County, but for a little bit, we moved up to the North, to the Bay area and Sabrina was at Berkeley at that time. And so we went to the Concord show in 2015 and I think Sidra, you were um, 12 and Sabrina was 19. 19. Oh. And so we ended up going to that show. I think that was the first time we all went together to see Counting Crows or no, there was a year before that out here in Orange County that we saw them at the Orange County Fair. So, so yeah, Citra, how, so, how was that like going to a concert when you were either 12 or 11 or 10? Was that too young? Do, do you remember it now? Did that seem like you were too young in retrospect or is that a perfect age? Or tell me about this. Yeah, I think at that age, I like I don't remember that concert specifically. But, I mean, I do remember, like, the feeling and uh, just kind of being in awe. And that was also the first time that I saw, like, the way that they change up, you know, the way they perform it from the record. So I think that was, like, my first experience with that. And I think it was, like, different for me at first. But then I grew to love that every time I went to see them. All right. And Sabrina, I'll get your take. And that, I'm guessing, because you were 19, you could uh, appreciate it. And you, um, that might have been, I, I don't know. I did appreciate it. <laughs> yes. And you, that, that might have been one of your first nostalgia because you went with your family too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, actually, personally, I've always gone to concerts with my dad. He's always been my concert buddy. So I think we've seen many artists starting from when I was in high school, earlier in high school. But kind of having we now have this tradition of going to see counting crows together which is so awesome and i love live music i'm not a musician like my sister but i totally appreciate it and i love watching it and soaking it in and i 
I just feel like you can feel Adam's feelings when he's singing the songs and you can feel mm. the fun that they're having. I think I'm forgetting which song, but you know how he says like, Hey, Charlie, like we love that. We like, we, yeah. we love Charlie too. Like, <laughs> I, feel like hey, I knew like that there were Charlie groupies. And I, I, I don't know if you listen to the Troubadour show, but I could, I kind of had two chances to talk to him more, but the only thing I really got to say to him that I said, you're really like the MVP behind the band. And I think it was his wife who said, yeah, we think so too. Her with her friend. But, but I, was, I wanted to say, like, there are Charlie fans out there, and maybe hopefully I'll get a chance to tell them again. We love Charlie. And, and, He's and great. I felt that way even years ago when he came out with his accordion, you know, and whatever. He used to do some yeah. show stuff. Hey, folks, a quick break in the action to talk to you a little bit about Zencaster. You know, a few uh, fans of our podcast have written us and uh, said that they are, in fact, podcasters themselves, and some of them have asked us which platform we use for our podcasting needs, and the answer is Zencaster. Uh, I actually had some broadcast experience myself. I've never really had podcasting experience, so Zencaster has been great in that regard. It's very easy. You can record your video. You can record the sound all in the same platform. It gives you some post-production processes, and uh, the price, quite frankly, is just fair. So it's a great all-in-one platform. So if you're interested, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing, and you can use our code Sullivan Street. That's Sullivan Street, one word spelled out, and you'll get 30% off your first month off any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we have had for our podcasting and content needs. It's time for you to share your story. And now back to the podcast. Now I do. Well, let's. This is a great segue, Chris, to talk about the actual show. Mm. And they can just chime in about their memories. Now, this was in um, the show they're talking about. For those that want to look it up, or you know, it's available on Nugs. And uh, Chris, I think you said it might be on Crow's Town. Somebody, if not, it's definitely on. Oh, Nugs. it's not on Crow's Town. It's, it's not on Crow's Town. Uh, yeah, it's only on. Uh, it's, well, it's only on, on Nugs. With so, that, but once that once the uh, everything started going up on Nugs, I feel like the the taping sort of really trickled to a kind of a halt so that's the era where you start to see way less tapes because the band was putting out the tape basically every night and so the and i mean i think the taping in general was tapering off at that period as well but but yeah it's on nugs as the as is like basically the entire 2015 tour you could go through every night of it if that's if that's your your jam. So this is from September uh, 20th, 2015 in Concord, which I had to look up. It's near Sacramento. It's actually closer to Sacramento, right? Yeah. Or it's than- uh, east. Like it's. Yeah. In that area. In that I general. I drive there from, 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 from <laughs> Berkeley. I think officially it's closer to Sacramento or maybe it's their local pavilion or whatever. Um, is there so- anything in, is there anything in Concord or is it re- just one of those towns where you're like, there's an amphitheater there. It's it's a small it's town. A it's it's yeah. a small town. You're not doing okay. it. I mean, there's people live there, but you know. Oh, I mean, there's someone live, but it's like in the in the New York area, right? Like a PNC Bank Art Center. It's in Holmdale, New Jersey, which I cannot tell you anything else about Holmdale, New Jersey, exactly. other than the PNC Bank Art Center is located there. That's right. about my total knowledge of that place. Although officially, I'm looking at Concord officially as a, over a hundred thousand, which kind of surprises me. But oh, uh, okay. So this, so so mo- so more than anything, they played somewhere on the Wonderland. Six songs from the ten song LP, 
Um, we can talk about some of the songs. I don't know if you've any of you had a chance to listen to it after you went, or was there any particular memories of the of the songs that they played? Zuby, I'll start with you. So, I mean, it, it was quite a while ago. So, I mean, I did listen to what to the file you sent. I yeah. listened to it, and I was telling the girls today that um, if you don't know the crows and you're just listening to this, it sounds very country. But and, and know, some of I mean, that I, album is yeah, and some of that album is a little more um, alt country, I would say, yeah, and that's maybe why. Yeah, and I know that it must have been the end of some part of his, um, some part of the the leg of the tour, because I know at the end he he does say like, you know, we have like a week off now, and I'm about to fall, like I need a break, and you can tell that kind of in his voice on the recording. But I mean, it was amazing. Like I listened to it and I I just thought, you know, he sounded great. And I think the songs are just, again, like he's saying, you know, some of the, you know, what more well-known hits. And then he's saying some, a a cover or two. And I I, I really liked it. I thought it was a great show. Sidra, any uh, memories of that? I know you say you don't remember a lot, but I don't know if you got to hear any of it later or, um, or yeah, or you can talk about how it, whatever, your more recent shows if you wanted to also. I know. I really wish I remembered. I, I don't honestly, like, I don't even remember things from like my freshman year of college. Like it's so crazy, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I do remember the most recent show that we went to, which is where we met you. And just like I think that was the show that I like appreciated the most obviously because I'm older and like I remember everything and I know the songs the best and it's also like really fun to hear some new songs like I don't know the names off the top of my head but to just hear like you know they're more like recent songs to hear how the style like changes or how it's similar to their older stuff so yeah. Sabrina any memories from that particular show in Concord? So I think as you mentioned in that show, they played a lot of Somewhere Under Wonderland. And I hadn't really, at that time, I hadn't really listened to that album. So it was a lot of new songs for me. But I remember it got me, they played Possibility Days, right? And it really got me into that song. So I remember going home and looking it up and I still listen to it to this day. And I think that's fun because I like hearing their new stuff, even if I don't seek it out because I just love the old stuff more but when they do play it in person or live it gets me liking it and then into it and so that's always really exciting too because it's something new from something old and familiar to me chris did you have any i, I have some thoughts did you have any thoughts of that particular show a few, uh, I've, I've, a few i thought it was I, quite good actually so i i even if zuby you don't have any particular memories listening to it i was like whoa i thought in general Adam did a fantastic job. So, I mean, they, they just, they sounded great. So I could, even if sometimes you don't have particular memories, you're just like, I know they were great the whole time. And that is definitely true when I listen back to it. Yeah. I think there's something good there. The one thing I will say about the way they, they play a lot of the somewhere under wonderland material. And I, I do wish they've like spent more time rearranging that. Like, I think it's something that's been lost with them a little bit over the last, and just hearing this going back, you just like, Oh yeah. Like these are all good songs, but they do, the, the the arrangements haven't strayed too far. And I've always kind of wondered why that is, whether it's Adam feels more strongly about the arrangements nowadays and the old arrangements where he was just like, ah, let's toss them out and start fresh. Or if it's just the way they kind of approach shows now or whatnot. But 
that is one of the things I know because is that because the songs I think all of them were under Wonderland songs they played. I love they played John Appleseed, which actually I think is a really great one that they've played a little bit less, and I think is a kind of a cool, especially because that that song kind of builds on the stories of like you know Maria and uh, all these other things from the past, and it sort of pulls through these stories that you know are at that point you know twenty plus years old. Yeah, it's interesting to that, Chris. Sorry. Do you think some of it is that, like, I don't, I don't want to use the word transgressive, right? But if everybody in the world knows Mr. Jones, then you can be a little transgressive. Like, oh, they know how it's really played, but I'll just play it a little different. But how many people know Elvis went to Hollywood, right? And if you played an alternative version of that, maybe people won't care. But I think you're right. I'd like to hear some of the, quote unquote, more recent songs played up a little different. Yeah. yeah. Well, it puts maybe less pressure on, like, you know, in the sense of, like, the feeling the need to rearrange Mr. Jones because he's getting sick of it in 1994 and 1995 is maybe he's maybe does doesn't feel the same way about Elvis went to Hollywood. You know, yeah. no one's forcing him to play Elvis went to Hollywood. So he's OK <laughs> just playing it the basically the way it, you know, was sort of written and arranged for the record. How about you? Anything, any songs in the youth stuck out, Eric? All of these, some were under Wonderland. Cause and then I was getting a little, um, I saw them once on this tour. It was on 2014. They kind of did a brief Midwest tour before the major one in 2015. Um, I think on the tour I w- was on, there was only, they only had 10 stops or something, but I was getting nostalgic because, you know, this was their last full studio album of new material. And so, and I think he was excited to play some of these songs. Um, of course they've had the EP, some of these songs live and, he did it with Butter Miracle too, but when he goes on these tours, and I think because he, I know that this record more than any he thought was the most underappreciated. But I thought the, I think he steps it up. I mean, it all sounded great, but the way he sings the Somewhere in the Wonderland songs and the band was almost perfect because I think they, he was so proud of them and one, you know what I mean, Chris, and, and wanted them. Um, and by the way, if you like, I, I will say to Sidra and Sabrina, if you love Charlie, uh, uh, I'll say this when we get to those albums later. But either the way they mixed it or maybe he he is adding more things. But in, in both Somewhere Under Wonderland and the Underwater Sunshine, the cover album, I think Charlie shines more than any albums in their whole catalog Mm. those two albums which might be two of their least popular just listen for the piano and i i think it's his best work if you're just focused on the piano so go back and and um even like ooh la la which is one of their simplest songs and even actually he mentions charlie in it he's take it away charlie or something but he does amazing piano in that song so we got to listen back yeah listen to those two and just listen to the piano listen with a good either headphones or uh, in the car or or whatever, but I, but I I think you'll I think you'll be writing me a thank you postcard later if you're a Charlie fan. <laughs> Chris, Chris, any other? Well, I will um, say that's interesting about the about that though. Interesting talking about Charlie is one. I thought the more interesting things is that Dan Eisenberg, who uh, had I think had played with the band a few times. I know he was the sub for Charlie, and Charlie briefly took a, a hiatus at the end of one of the tours because his daughter was born. He plays an organ. He joins him at the end, but like is very uh, audible. There's like an organ solo on Rain King that is really, really cool. And it's like an organ solo. And then he and Charlie kind of play off each other, which is actually one of the I had for a Rain King without an alt, which is not something I generally like. I was like, oh, this is super cool. So that's if you're looking for like one song 
someone like listeners to like check out from this i would i would go to the rain king and like kind of listen for the organ solo because that's pretty unique and not something you would hear on anything from the rest of this tour that i recall at least i Maybe and Zuby, something. you having you having me re-listen to this actually uh, is is yeah the song like Teenage Gravity, which we'll talk to you know later when we do Underwater Sunshine. But that um, uh, anyway, I really loved that song, and listening to that made me. I even plugged it on a Reddit thread, but it was partly because I was I was I was re-listening to this. What do you love about yeah. that song, Eric? I'm a, I love that song too. You know, we well, it's it's very crosy. Like I, in fact, if I can made a great, I might as well. Well, I don't want to give it away now, but I will. But I, I, th- I almost think in some ways the, the, uh, the, um, uh, the lyrics. About, I was just, I just thought of this the other day, Chris. That that it almost felt like a follow up to Mr. Jones a little bit, lyrics wise, because it's about hmm. like looking at girls in the bar and thinking about love and this kind of. But it's in the very melt. But where Mr. Jones is melancholy but upbeat. This one is melancholy, but very slow and depressing. I, I don't know. Just something, even I know Adam didn't write it. Uh, it was Casey mm-hmm. Anderson. It, it, just, it just sounds very crazy to me. I yeah. actually remember that song, and I don't, I'm not sure if they played it at that. They did. That's why. Yeah, that's yeah, why. Yeah, yep. Okay, so that must have been the first time I heard it. And I, I felt the same way. I really like that song as well. And I forget about it, but it's really good. It's, I feel like it's a, like a hidden gem. I, I do. I think it's a. I, I makes me song makes me think of falling in love with my wife. So I'm always oh. in for that song. It's a beautiful. It's just I don't know. It's about about feeling fall feeling those feelings and kind of you know showing your hand and the, those oh, moments. Now which you're is, trying to look, Chris. Now that look at the support you're getting from the room now. Now I got to bring up one of my. They're like, oh, that's so sweet. Now I need that. <laughs> it is well. It's interesting. I was I was thinking about that a lot in the show because they also it's that play that version of Sullivan Street with the. Um, uh, I belong where you belong, which I think is again one of the more romantic sentiments in a very kind of sad song. I, you know, you know how I feel strongly about certain versions of Sullivan Street, Eric, and that one is on the high side. Of I love, I, I think that alt is one of their absolute sort of bests, and I, I remember really love because they started playing that in 2012 when I was falling in love with my wife, and those versions where they really started that, um, I, and I love that as an opener. I think Sullivan Street since they came back in like 2012 has been one of their best openers. um, Just the way they play that. I agree. I thought that was amazing with the, um, I belong, you belong in the middle. I mean, that song, I mean, I guess we'll talk about it um, when we go over our top five songs, but um, I thought that was amazing. And I love that, that it was the opener of that show. And I have to say, as far as a closer, the holiday in Spain, I mean, I love that they they try to do it every time. They missed it uh, in 2022. We didn't get that here in Orange County. And I feel like something happened. I think someone ran up on stage at one point and hugged him towards the end. And I don't know if that, I don't know if that was the reason if he was planning on, if Hmm. they were planning on doing holiday in Spain, but they didn't because this happened and someone came up and just grabbed him and it kind of just ended there. And I was just like, <laughs> but um going Chris, back to my we're... husband that's another one of his favorite songs and we actually took a holiday in spain back in october because of the song we're like we gotta go we gotta say <laughs> we did this. 
you're the only other. I, 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 I did that too last fall. I took a holiday in Spain because of the song as well. Awesome. But I was in Europe, so it wasn't as as far. But um, yeah, I was reading that some other there. There, I think that I think that's a real select group. That's probably only about thirty or forty, or especially Americans. There might be some Europeans, of course, that wouldn't. That's a quick. Uh, uh, ride for them but uh yeah chris see now i'm trying to one-up you with the all or say like, right i don't have the uh the love <laughs> see my my wife's song is is cold plays what is it lovers in japan which because we met in japan and they met and actually that song is based in osaka and we were in osaka at the time wow, so it felt go. like a good uh wow. a, a good, a good time <laughs> yeah the, the one um yeah, more you know what's interesting just when you're talking about the nostalgia feeling sabrina is I don't know if you like also like God's of Ocean Tides, but they have. You know, that... I do like that one, but I don't. I don't listen to it as much, and I. I think I need. It just maybe gets lost in all of the other songs that I love to listen to. But I want to revisit it, and I'm glad there's that you a, mentioned it. There's a great line in there that kind of again is typical Adam nostalgic but um melancholy where he talks about right the birthday because you, you make me think of it because you're a family and you have this like family feeling of nostalgia in the past mm. and there's this line about the um like it's something with like right the the candle wax on paper plates with the bir- like you know about like birthdays growing up and and then yeah chris uh you know what i'm yeah. talking about right uh, yeah, on, on right on paper plates. But anyway, that that always gives me and that line always kind of hurts oh, me a little that. bit and 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 makes me think back to my childhood and and everything. So let's get into. I did have, and I don't. By the way, did you guys share with each other your top five? No. Good. No. So so twenty four hours ago, we we asked uh, these these three young women to, you know, in no particular order, but what are their five. Mm-hmm generally favorite counting crows it doesn't have to be exact songs and um and we're just kind of curious if there was a generational divide or a sibling divide or if they're all kind of on the same page so who wants i'm going to start with sidra let's let's start with you okay i'm excited and i think my mom and my sister are also like eager because i don't like i think out of the three of us i like they love counting crows and i also love them but you know, they just have more of that passion. So I don't even think they know like what my favorites are. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really know what mine were either. And before I was going through all the songs, but um, here are my, here's my list. So Long December, Anna Begins, American Girls, Rain Mm -hmm. King, and Round Here with an honorable mention of Big Yellow Taxi. This cover. That's great. (laughs) All right, so Chris, I probably have some take, but Chris, let's get your take on that. Well, I think it's interesting that it leans on, and maybe because of Mom playing the songs, it leans on the a lot of the songs from the first record. Interestingly, yes, the round here, Anna begins and Rain King, um, and then Long December, which of course a lot of both casual and hardcore for gross fans think is their best song, um, along with Round Here and Rain King. The surprise, and then Big Yellow Taxi, in some ways, would be not surprising, I think, because of what some people would say that was more of like a poppy song, or for like at the time people thought it was for like a younger generation. I think the more interesting one to talk about, Chris, is the American is American Girls, because <laughs> I think, especially, and we haven't talked about that album yet, but and I didn't remember that history until recently, but the original version of American Girls wasn't that poppy. And then when they record, because I've heard, I heard a bootleg of it, but when they oh, actually yeah, had yeah. The, re- the recording of it, and that ended up being their single, and people thought that that was... In a Coke commercial. 
in a Coke commercial, a Diet Coke commercial, I think it was. And oh, really? So what what made you, yeah, what made you, yeah, you can Google it, but I mean, you can look it up on YouTube, Diet Coke, Cannon Crows, and American Girls is playing in the background. What made, like, how did you get exposure to that song? Was it just listening to Hard Candy, or did you, were you, a, forget how old you would have been when that was released as a, that was 20 years ago, so you would have, um, yeah, not been so old. You would yeah. Have been something, so. Again, this is all just like what was played for me and like, you know, going when I was going back through, you know, like Counting Crows Spotify and kind of going through the songs to make my list. I just knew immediately from like the moment I pressed play. Okay, this is one that like I just know, even if I don't know like the name of it off the top of my head, it's just something that I associate. So, yeah, I think American Girls was also in the rotation in the car. And I just love like, I guess that poppy like upbeat yeah melodic aspect of the song so yeah, yeah, yeah. it just makes me feel good <laughs> he, he, well that's what he, that was the goal that's what he was trying to do right chris he was trying to be positive and upbeat with that song i think and you yeah. know at it, least it wasn't uh, musically at least yeah at least his version of of being upbeat exactly. it wasn't like you can't count on me where it sounds upbeat <laughs> but he's like don't can't count on me don't don't count on me at all but um did you know for example uh, since, since you weren't around when it was released uh where when you weren't around did did you know that that was like the first single and did you watch did you ever watch like the video i mean that was one of their last real videos american girl Wow, I had no idea. Um, honestly, I didn't know it was in the commercial or um, okay. a single, but I feel like it makes sense because also Cheryl Crow's like doing the backing yes. vocals. So yeah. So how did you how did you know that? When I was listening to it again today, I just saw her name. <laughs> okay. Okay. See. Yeah. That's interesting. But but yeah, that that right. Would you say that's what was that one of the last videos that and Big Yellow Taxi were maybe one of the last that they were all together. In the video, I think. I think we said that. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't count on I'm me. I'm bad with remembering Adam. the videos at this point. So the, the, yeah, the videos think, have think, totally escaped me. So Yeah, I think I think that and Big Yellow Taxi were the last two where the whole band was together in a music video. Mm. So you might want to uh, look that up. Okay, great. Sabrina, let's hear your top five. I'm very excited. And I maybe, know, right? me too. <laughs> so a few are the same. Anna Begins, Long December, Holiday in Spain. Oh. And then I have time and time again, and raining in Baltimore. Now you're just trying to get points off Chris, who loves time and time again. And raining in Baltimore. Oh, raining in Baltimore is a better song than time and time again. I had that higher, I think, okay. Eric. When we did that list. But raining in Baltimore is a spectacular song. And if you put that with Rain King, that's one of the best. Right, one and of the Rain best King pairings. Right there too. It's so hard to pick just five, honestly, because mm. Mrs. Potter's Lullaby is up there too, but. Yeah, Raining in Baltimore, I think for me, was maybe less played like with the family, but I personally really like it. And whenever I turn to it, I mean, it's it's such a sad song. It is so sad and tragic and you feel like he's almost crying in it, but I just love it and it feels so good. And that's really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but that's almost like the, not the preface, but not the prelude, but almost like the first view of just basically him in the piano, which we just saw in the, the, the one cover and, and the Christmas song, right? It's that, yeah. it's that. I mean, that's the only song on that first record that is like that. That's a good point. It's just, it's more stripped down and it's yeah. just him and the piano and just what whatever he's singing and 
Um, yeah. There's a lot of like, I, I want to say more silence in the song too, just, just because of mm. it's just what he's saying and then maybe what he's playing, but there's no extra background instruments. Right. And I think that that adds like, you know, there's there, silence always says something too. So um, it, it adds just another bit. That, that's a it. great point. I, I just off the top of my head, I'm thinking, oh, like where, where you should be, no one's around. And then I think there's a couple seconds of silence before he plays the piano again. And you're absolutely right. Very powerful. And so Holiday in Spain, did you know mostly from, I guess, the car or because they played a lot in concert or both or? Both. Definitely both. That That's a fan family favorite for sure. <laughs> fan, I, Chris, I can't think of any. Actually, you've. I think those two, if you think of Anna Begins and maybe even more Holiday in Spain because it became a single, like those to me are the two singles that were never really singles. Like everybody knows them. They're kind of fan favorites. But and Holiday in Spain, I guess, was the official single in Europe, and but not really in the U.S., right? And, and Anna Begins is similar to that. So... Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. And it's one of the songs that I think is sort of there. It's interesting when you get to a certain stage of a band's career where you have those songs that are not singles, but are there to basically accept it as like, you know, if you're a fan, you know them and love them a little bit to some yep. extent, you know? And even the casual. And so, Sabrina, before we move on, and I'll get an essay, what overall is your favorite al- album by them? Definitely August and Everything After. Okay. How about Sidra? You? I would agree. Yeah. Okay. Just, great. Yeah. All right, Zuvia. Let's see how you compare and it contrast really, to your daughters. Really hard for me to narrow down. <laughs> I have to you know, say. is music taste genetic or socially uh, learned? Let's find out. It's really hard, but I think the August and everything after has a lot of meaning for us, and just because of like where where I was at my life at that time, but. So, yeah, I think, and not just because of the name of the podcast, but I think Sullivan Street, I just love that song so much. You know, it's when he says something, when he says, like, I'm almost Mm. drowning. She's nearly falling. It's not, I'm not drowning. I can, I can let go and turn around and leave. So it's like that, that little bit of that word that changes like, yeah, it could be, this could be everything, but it's not, it's almost, I'm almost there, but I'm really not like, I don't know, just those that play on those words. It really, it's really, it really affects the song and the feeling and the emotion for me. So I really like Sullivan street. I, I, I'm going to stop you there just in a good way, but because uh, I just thought that was, that was fantastic. We've partly because the podcast is named after it, but we've talked about Sullivan Street quite a bit. And we had four of us review uh, August and talked about the lyrics of Sullivan Street, but no one kind of either brought up or caught that little detail. And you are absolutely right. And that's and it ties into what Sabrina said about the English major and him kind of, it, it's so purposeful. And uh, your daughter, Sidra was giving you a smile the whole time because I think she also appreciated your observation. So uh okay. yeah so i just i just love that i'm almost drowning i'm not really but i could <laughs> mm-hmm. omaha i love that song i should have bought the shirt at the last concert i didn't <laughs> oh yeah they'll put it um, online at some point they'll yeah. put it on <laughs> um to me that song just when he's like drop a line you know if you're, you're gonna walk on water drop a line my way and then it mm. changes to 
you know, you're, you're actually walking all over me. Like it just, just the progression of the feeling and the thought. So it just that one, I think for more upbeat, if I were to say hanging around, I like that song a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. I like the clapping. I like the melody, the beat of it. Good night, Elizabeth. I like that song. It kind of reminds me of the lyrics a little bit or the feeling re- reminds me a little bit of um, Pictures of You by The Cure. I know it, they're mm-hmm. different, but just that feeling, the subject matter. And then... Chris, you're loving this, right? Because you know that's also one of Chris's favorites. Elizabeth's one of oh, yeah, yeah. his best, yes. Yeah, and Perfect Blue Buildings. Oh, I'm surprised that you didn't have Anna on your list. I know. I I I do love that song, but I, I like I said it was very difficult, but I don't know. The more I, the more I listen, the more these songs meant more to me. You're, you're right, Chris. I, about like the transition like periods in your life, like when you were younger yeah. and now that you've imparted this to your daughters as as they are as they are younger at, at the age when you were listening to these records, Anna Begins means exactly Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, it was yes. very it's it was very hard to come up with a list of just I don't know how many I gave you five or six, but it was really difficult. No, you're I'm right. also surprised. Sorry, I was gonna say I'm also surprised Mr. Jones wasn't on. Like, well, any of Mr. Jones. I mean, Mr. Jones. Like, that's just classic, right? And so, it's a given. It's a given. I mean, that to me, that song is just no matter where I am, what I'm doing, it makes me feel good. It just makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. Things are all right. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just a classic. It's just such a good feeling, that song. But, you know, that's the more obvious one. So um, uh, most people know them for that. But uh, a lot of these other songs, I mean, they're worth knowing. You're right. You're right, Chris. In some ways, the Azubia's list was not a surprise because it had a lot of August songs, but I actually thought Anna was going to be the one common thread between. uh, So there was actually no repeats, right? Nobody. Yeah, none of them. You you had all unique five Azubia for yours. So Um, cool. Yeah. uh, But I'm just looking forward to the next concert, Um, wherever that is. I, you know. Whenever it is, I hope um, you know we get to see you again, Eric. If you're in the yes. area, Chris, get to meet. I'm gonna see a show with Eric. I haven't se- I haven't seen them on the West Coast. Actually, I think since I-, I was looking at the the rest of the shows around the one that we listened to, and I realized I was at the show the night before this because I was helping uh, a friend at a music festival in uh, called Kabu in Del Mar uh, that the Crows played at. So I. Uh, saw them right before this that was also a good show although speaking of like playing tricks and memories i was i was like ah what could i listen to from this i was like oh i'll listen to ranking it wasn't it a really great version with like someone to watch over me and i was like nope it's actually it's lippy kids i like went to the middle i was like nope totally misremembered what that was i don't know when i saw them play that one but yeah so uh, mine's plays you know tricks on you but yeah, that was yeah. They were playing well that weekend. It's always weird to see the crows at a festival because it's not like I feel like that energy. Well, an American festival. We've talked at great length about how beautiful it looks at Pink Pop in the Netherlands. <laughs> but yeah, just that sort of sense of the you know that what lifts them and and the sort of crowd interaction. 
Kabu also is a very weird festival where they were starting to do, they were kind of early on doing the like tiers where there's like, v, you know, people who paid the normal price and then weird VIP sections and things and just kind of being, they were early on that thing, which I think always kind of plays with the vibe. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So a yeah, really, at some point I got to get back to the West Coast. Again. Yeah. A really good um, ranking uh, version popped up on my Spotify. It's the live at Chelsea studios. Have you guys heard that one? Yeah. The, um, from, uh, from across the wire, right? Yes. Chelsea studios? Yeah. Oh my God, that one is amazing. So I think to me, like that's the best, some of the best stuff is when he's not following, you know, he's just reciting the poetry and a lot of like some of the, a lot of times around here, he'll do like, you know, five minute versions, seven minute versions where he's just, he just seems like he's in his own space and just feeling that energy and the words. It's just amazing. It's amazing. But yeah, this well, this has been great. Thank you so much. And I will get some final thoughts. But but Chris, one thing, and we've done this is what the 14th episode. One thing I like, besides co-hosting with you, Chris, I do, I appreciate you as a co-host. I I like hearing how different songs give uh, sorry so how the same songs give different fans the same feeling for different reasons right like that <laughs> certain li- right like this line really hits them and this line hits them but it still gives you that still gives fans the same you know passion and and love for some of the songs so so citra do you have any closing comments at all maybe something you didn't get to you wanted to thank your mom for exposing you to the crows anything at all please uh rattle away yeah i think i would just say like I want, I hope to love a band or an artist as much as my mom loves the Counting Crows, like to be just so invested and, um, you know, really like unpacking all of the lyrics and, you know, the ways that the melodies are created, how it builds up and changes throughout a song. I think I want to pay more attention to that kind of stuff. And just, I think I'm going to start listening to Counting Crows more on my own. Like, I don't really listen to them on a daily basis. It's <laughs> like walking to class. But I think after this podcast, I'm going to do some more of that. So, yeah. <laughs> great. And, and thank you so much. You, you were such a great guest. I appreciate thank it. Thank you guys, too. This has been so fun. <laughs> Sabrina, uh, any uh, parting comments from you? Yeah. I mean, first, I it would have to be a thank you to my mom for making us Counting Crows fans and making it part of our lives. But also, I mean, just to the Counting Crows for putting out such beautiful words and music and just something that can make people feel seen and heard in so many important ways to whatever song people can relate to whether it's all of them or just one. I think everything they say is so important and it's so soulful and it comes, it, it means something. It's very meaningful. And I think that we talk a lot about how that's, it can be missing in our day and age of music. And mm. uh, it means a lot to me and has, I've grown through my life with their music and I hope to continue to. Great. Thanks so much. Oh, and by the way, there was also, you said you like Mrs. Potter's. There's also a music video to that. That was kind of a low budget. It wasn't on MTV or anything like that. It's just basically, I think they shot it with a handheld camera. It's just him 
in an apartment, right, Chris? Or you, you said you don't remember, but it's kind of like they're supposed to be at that party where they're always, where he's always. Yeah. Uh, no, I think know. everyone's. I think a few of them are in that video, or maybe. Oh, they're on the video. Sorry, I'm just saying yeah. it was low, lower budget, and I don't mm. know if it was released on MTV or anything. I think if I remember correctly, it certainly wasn't one that got a lot of airplay. Yeah, because yeah. I was watching a lot of MTV and VH1 at that. At that yeah. time, in my like, life, like hanging so. around had a budget. American Girls had a budget. So did Big Yellow Taxi, and uh, yeah, they had big. I'm going to look that videos. up for sure. Uh, Zuvia, uh, final comments for you today? No, thank you, thank you both so much for including on the uh, for including us in this. I mean, it was it was great to just sit and spend the hour talking to you both about um, something we all love, and um, you know, like I said, I just hope to continue to. You know, I, I'm waiting for more music from them and hope to continue, you know, seeing them in the future and listening to the music. Great. Chris, final thoughts of the evening. I, I've Zuby is my parenting goal now. I've, I feel like I've going to work on that. <laughs> inspiration it's right and as i said to be uh on the podcast before i don't know if you caught it but i basically named um one of my kids uh after you know because of anna begin so if she doesn't start liking them soon there's gonna be she's one of the fallout <laughs> she's only seven she's one of the big fallout boy fan friends so uh fans i mean so uh yeah well there's nothing wrong with sugar we're going down but you got to just start that's playing that that's true counting crows on repeat in the car that's true and one of her one of her favorite hobbies is herself or topics is herself. So if, if I, I just keep mentioning that Anna's in the song, she'll probably she'll probably pay more attention to there it. There you so. go. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. And uh, so thank you for my special guests. And 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 sometime in the, we have all sorts of uh, exciting episodes planned in the future. And we hope to do another uh, fan spotlight in the future because uh, this has been great. So we'll see everybody next time down here on Sullivan Street. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.